Good morning. Man, it is so good to see you all. I mean, really, really good to see you all today. I just don't know why the front rows are empty. I, I don't get that. I don't have a disease. There's nothing like that. So if anybody wants to sit up front, you're, you're welcome to come down. Anyway, well, it's been a rough week. And uh, two Mondays ago, my daughter-in-law, Allie, and I were putting up some insulation in our barn. And, um, and I felt like I had a low blood sugar uh, when that happened. And so I went inside the house and I, um, I, I sat down and I fell asleep. And then my son, Zach, came down and uh, he said, Dad, Mom, Mom needs a credit card. Can you, can you get it for her? And I just didn't know what was going on. Uh, I couldn't speak. I, couldn't, I, I didn't know where I was. I didn't know what my wallet was. Um, those little things make a big difference. You know, and so Zach said, come on, we're going to the ER. And so got me to the ER and where I spent the entire, uh, the entire day, the entire night, uh, trying to answer questions like, what is this picture? Uh, what does this word say, which I couldn't answer, um, which is pretty scary, uh, especially for someone that, that speaks and teaches uh, for, for a living. And I, I got to tell you, a stroke which is what I had, really puts things into perspective. Um, it, it just really does. Uh, again, when, when you do something so often and it's been part of your life for so long and you don't know who your family are and you don't know what a word is, you don't know what a cactus is or a hammock or any of those ki- types of things, although you know you know what they are, but you don't know what they are. It's very, very frustrating, and I can understand how difficult that is as dementia or something else may set into your life, but your life just changes. And I'm so appreciative of all the the calls, texts, messages, and prayers that have gone up. But let me just respectfully say this. No, I do not need a potty chair. Um, I've had so kind of people to ask, and I appreciate it. I really do. And no, I don't need a walker. Um, so kind of you to ask, and, 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 and I really appreciate that. Um, but, you know, your life just kind of changes. And so, you know, I, I, I don't know. I had... I had a stroke. I'm not dead. Come on. Um, I love you all. I really do. Um, we have been... You're welcome to it if you can come up and get it. So uh, it might be a little challenging today. My brain's still a little bit foggy and my strength is not quite back. Um, And so I may be leaning on this table or sitting down, but try to track with me today if you can. All right. I appreciate it. We've been going through this book by Craig Groeschel, and this is the last week of the series called Divine Direction, because most of us are just struggling with making important decisions. I mean, even as much as I did this week, trying to make a decision at all, uh, we struggle with those types of decisions. Do do I take this job or do I stay where I'm at? Which house do I buy or do I put my house up for sale? Which school do I go to? Which person should I marry? Should I stay with my spouse after this massive thing happened? Which football team, baseball team, soccer team do I root for? Now, some of those things are more important than others. They, they just are. They're, they're more significant. But we're just not real good decision makers. 
You know, we, we, we just don't have that ability at times. So we turn to things like the magic eight ball. And, you know, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. You know, you're, you're, you're asking, you know, questions that you want answers to. Like, are the Cincinnati Bengals going to the Super Bowl? Interesting. It says if Mahomes breaks his ankle. That's what it says. I don't know. You, you know, you look, at, you look at all those things, and, uh, you know, a key concept to remember is that we make our decisions, and then our decisions make us. I mean, that's a basic, basic thing, but it's not about a magic apron. It's not about being so lost and you don't know what to do that you turn to something like this. It's not about turning to the universe to give you advice and direction and praying for an open front parking spot to the universe that it magically opens up. It's not about your horoscope because all of those things can't provide an answer for you. They just can't. I mean, it really does come back to who God is and what God wants for your life. God created you. And God created you to be holy. Don't miss that. It's a key concept. He created you to be holy. And if you take a long look at who you are today, the decisions that you've made in the past make up who you are today. Now, part of those are, are contributed to by your parents. And part of those are kind of, kind of contributed to by your friends and your, 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 your family. But what we decide today will determine who we are, and what we become tomorrow. You don't have to turn to things like this because God has an answer for you if you simply look at the basics of what he says. The most important thing in this whole discussion is who you are, not what you do. All right? Don't miss that. It's who you are, who you're becoming as you're making these decisions. That's the key concept. Does God care what job you take? Absolutely. God wants you to find the desires of your heart. He wants you to use your gifts and your talents and your abilities to be able to do what you want to do with your life. He cares about that. Does he care about who you marry? Yes. He doesn't want you stuck for 20, 30, 40 years with a person that you don't like. You have to, it's about who you become as you figure out how to work together and live together and move together and grow together. That's what God cares about, is that you're growing and becoming more holy in everything that you're doing. So if you want to know which way to turn, focus on who you are, and then you decide to take a step. All right? Key concept. As we wrap up this series, I'm praying that God is going to open up your life to look at what step to take next, what step of faith that you need to take. And sometimes it means taking a step of faith away from where you are. Maybe you're stuck. Maybe you're struggling. Maybe you're worn out. You have to be able to step in the direction that God wants you to go. Craig Rochelle says this, to step towards your destiny, you often have to step away from your security. If you want to move forward, you have to step to something new. You have to step away from something old. And I believe that if we'll just open ourselves up to take that step to seek God, to spend time with God, then we can quit being afraid and quit holding back and become who God wants us to become. Now, 
talked to a woman a few weeks ago that was saying, I've just been struggling with this. Do I start school or do I not go back to school? I'm in, I'm kind of in the station of life where maybe I shouldn't go back, but I want to go back, but I don't know if I should go back. And, and you're struggling with, with those kind of things. Maybe it's time to, to take that step. You know, maybe for you, you're looking at, do, do I start over in this relationship or do I end the relationship because of what's happened? It might be, do I start rehab because of my addictions are taking over because you've had to overcome that addiction, trying to do it on your own and it's not working. So what do you do with that? Maybe it's starting a new job. Maybe it's starting a new ministry. Maybe it's to start tithing or to start a small group or to start some type of business. I don't know what it's going to be for you, but you have to look at your life and you have to step towards your destiny, step away from your security and step towards something new if you want to get out of where you are. The challenge for most of us is that it's the start that stops us. Anybody else find that true? It's just starting. You think about it and think about it and think about it, and maybe you've even planned for it, but you never take that start. It always stops. Anybody here want to lose weight before summer? My hand is up on that, all right? Absolutely. I mean, wintertime has not been good for me, right? And so I want to get back to where I was in my weight, but if you want to lose weight, you have to start looking at how to do that. And you have to start making decisions. I used to love to watch The Biggest Loser. You know, you'd watch people, men and women, you know, that are just going, I'm not comfortable with who I am right now. And you might be completely comfortable. And size and shape don't matter, uh, honestly. But maybe you wanted to be a certain size or a certain shape. And, and maybe you were a little bit larger than what you wanted to be. And that's me and my situation right now. And you're going, okay, well, how do, I, how do I get to where I want to be? Maybe I weigh 350 pounds and I want to weigh 102 pounds. How do you do that? It's the start that stops us. I, I mean, I know this seems obvious, but it's so important. You will never start something. You will never start something if you don't plan for it. And you will never finish something if you never start it. You understand? How many of you want to start something new? How many of you want to go a new direction? How many of you want to try something different and yet you're never willing to step out and start that process? Well, I'm praying that God gives you the faith to start a new direction this year. That's my prayer for you. If you need something new, if you need a new movement, a new moment in your life, a new direction in your life, I'm praying that God gives you the faith to be able to step out and do that. Because if you don't start now, you'll never finish it. So let's look at a guy named Nehemiah who did that from the Old Testament. A lot of people, if you grew up in church, you may not know Nehemiah. If you didn't grow up in church, you definitely don't know this guy named Nehemiah. But it's an interesting story uh, of somebody that stepped out uh, in faith. God told his people this. He said, I want you to obey and worship me. It's not much different than what he tells us today. He wants us to obey and worship him. But they didn't obey and they didn't worship God. So God allowed the Babylonians to come in and destroy everything that they held dear to them. They destroyed the temple, which was the center of their worship. They destroyed the wall, which was the center of their protection. 
they, they, they destroyed everything and, and just burned the entire city down. And then they took God's people captive. All right, that's, that's what happened. 140 years later, a small group of God's people go back to their homeland and they say, we need to rebuild everything. And they're discouraged and they're embarrassed and they're humiliated by what their ancestors had done for God because they completely gave up and walked away from God. And God gives this one man, Nehemiah, this divine burden. And he looks at everything that's destroyed and he says, it's not okay with me because this is God's place. We're God's people. And as long as I'm alive, I'm not going to stand for this. Something has to change. I love the phrase divine burden that Craig Rochelle uses. And some of you, you have a divine burden and you don't even know it. You just do. There's something you see and you think, you know what? Because of who I am, because of my faith, because of what I believe, I'm not okay with that. I'm just not. And you think somebody has to do something about this. And then you think this, it might as well be me. I'm not okay with it, and it might as well be me to do something different about it. I've seen it over and over and over and over again with people that I know. For example, last year, Jamie Lovejoy, one of the ladies in our church, she had this, this kind of divine burden uh, for, for Jackson, Kentucky, Happy Church that we serve all the time. She went down there after the flood, her and her dad, they made a ton of sloppy joe, and they just fed people. That was her divine burden to do that. Now, not only did they just feed people, she brought back a few dogs to get adopted because they were just abandoned, right? I mean, that was part of her divine burden. And your divine burden shows your direction. Whenever you start following that, you take a step, you start making that, that happen, it shows the direction that you're heading. Those are the things that you're drawn to. And it shows something that God wants to do to you. Now, I don't know what that may be for you. Because all of us are different. All of us have different burdens, different passions, different abilities, different giftedness. But, but maybe for you, you're like a Shelly Alcorn. Um, Shelly is, she has a passion for teenagers. She has three kids. She's a school teacher. And she just pours her time into the student ministry here at Community. I mean, pours her time into it. That's her divine direction. Now, maybe you're a Phil Winkler. He's, he's one of our elders here. His divine direction is to work behind the scenes to do anything and everything that needs done for the kingdom of Jesus. I'll see Phil painting a wall. I'll see Phil fixing something that's broken. I'll see Phil uh, going and helping in the homeless ministry and serving in downtown Hamilton, just praying for those that, 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 that are struggling uh, in our community, if there's a need, he takes care of That's his divine direction. Maybe you're like a Barb Barker. She's dealt with a lot of challenges as a parent and a grandparent and a person, but she pours into the lives of the homeless in Butler County. She feeds and she clothes and she serves and she loves and she prays for those, again, who struggle to fit in to society. Maybe you see all the children that are abandoned and abused from drug addiction and, and, and just things not going right in families' lives, and you think somebody has to do something about this, and you think, well, maybe it's me. And no, you can't adopt or, or, or foster every child, but maybe you can do one. 
And maybe that's where it starts. These divine burdens show a divine direction. And that's what happened to Nehemiah. He, he kind of had this, this Popeye kind of moment. Remember Popeye, my favorite cartoon. This is all I can stands and I can't stands no more. And then he'd pop open the can of spinach and go down his throat and he'd get big muscles and he'd beat up the bad guy, right? I mean, that, that, that's the Popeye kind, kind of moment. And some of you are going to have that exact kind of moment if you haven't already had it. You think, you know, somebody has to do something about this and it might as well be me. Now, when you look at Nehemiah, he wasn't the obvious candidate to, to rebuild anything. He, he just wasn't. His job was being a cupbearer. You know what that is? He would drink the wine before the king would drink the wine. And if he died, probably a good sign the king shouldn't drink the wine. That's how it worked, right? That, that was his job. That's what he did. And, and sometimes that job didn't last very long, you know, somebody trying to poison the king. Sometimes it would last a long time. But Nehemiah had this divine burden to do something besides that. And he had to be thinking, who am I to do anything about rebuilding this former city that my ancestors came from? Which is exactly what God may call you to do when you don't expect it. You're thinking, I'm not prepared to do anything. But God gives you a burden. And then because he gives it to you, he trusts you to do something with it. What do you do? What do you do when God starts to raise this burden in your life for you to take a new direction? What do you do with that? Well, the first thing Nehemiah did, he took it to God. He got down on his knees and he prayed this powerful prayer from Nehemiah 1, starting in verse 5. Then I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands. Listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people, Israel. I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. I love this. He says, if you want to follow through on the burden that you feel, start with prayer. That's a pretty good concept, right? You want to take it to God first? Nehemiah 2.2, I replied, if it pleases the king, Nehemiah talking to the king, his boss. He said, if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. But then I replied, long live the king. How can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. So the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. And then Nehemiah said, I was terrified. So he goes before his boss, who's the king, and he says, the king says, you're not looking so great, Nehemiah. What's up? What's wrong? And Nehemiah says, I know this sounds crazy, but would you allow me to leave and go 850 miles to Jerusalem and try to start this building project that's going to cost millions of dollars. Oh, and by the way, would you mind to pay for all that? Provide me with workers, send me there, take care of me so I can rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and redeem the reputation of my God. You know what the king said? Sure, I'll do that. How many of you 
are willing to step out on faith and ask the big questions. How many? How many of you are willing to say, this is a long shot, but I'm going to ask? First of all, you're kind of a slave to the king, is what he really is. He's a cupbearer. That's a slave job, because if you die, you die. But he became a very good confidant of the king, right? A confidant of the king. And he had his confidence. He's going, hey, would you mind? I mean, I know I'm going to be gone for 10, 20, 30 years. I know it's a long way away. I know it's a lot of money, but you mind supporting me? And not only did he support him, he said, yeah, I'll pay for all of it. Here's the question. How do you as a Jesus follower with a passion or a divine burden, how do you start something big like that? Well, here's my prayer that every single one of us find a divine burden that's big and start making a difference. For some of you, I don't know, I don't know what it'll be for any of you. Maybe you start a food ministry for after-school kids because a lot of kids go home to nothing. Maybe you start something big, and that might be working in our children's ministry here at Community. That might be big for you. Maybe you start something big, and that might be starting a business. It might be paying off your student loan debt so that you can get right with God and start contributing to the kingdom like you should. But with the student loan debt, you just can't do it. Maybe you start something, and starting something big might be, I don't know, starting a men's ministry on a Saturday morning with a couple dozen guys. Starting something big for you might be being a godly husband and a godly dad in your home. Could be anything. How do you do that? Start small. I mean, it starts small. Pretty basic, isn't it? I love Zechariah 4.10. Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed of starting something small, because God loves to see you start getting past that starting block, getting out of the way of going, okay, well, if I never start, I'll never finish, getting over that hurdle. Have any of you ever watched your kids take their first steps? Any, anybody? Have you done that? I hope all of you have if you have kids, right? Watch them take their first steps. Watch your grandkids take their first steps. What do you do? Man, you are yelling and cheering and clapping, I mean, come come on, you can do this. And they take one step and then they fall down. You don't say, you stupid kid, why'd you fall down? No, you go, get back up, you can do this. And you're clapping as they're doing the drunk Frankenstein kind of of thing, wobbling, kind of like I'm doing this morning, kind of wobbling around, you know, you're going, you got this, you can do this, you can walk, keep going, keep going, keep going. And that's what God does whenever he gives you a burden and he sees you have the faith to take that first step and you're doing the drunk Frankenstein kind of thing, but you're going, you can do this and God's cheering you on. And when you look at Nehemiah, you might think, okay, he had a burden and and he rebuilt a wall, but it's so much more than that. If you go back to to, kind of the steps before this and you trace all the steps, at the very end, they built the wall, which was pretty incredible. That's a big task. And then you look one step back and you see all these people working their tails off to be able to get it done. And if you take another step back, they worked with a tool in one hand and a weapon in the other hand because people were attacking them as they were building. You take another step back, somebody had to have the courage to put the first stone into place. And you take another step back and Nehemiah had to have the faith 
to ask the king to pay millions and millions and millions of dollars to fund this project. Just one step after another. Nehemiah 4.14 Then as I looked over the situation, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight for your brothers and your sons and your daughters and your wives and your homes. If you want to do something big, you start small. You take that first step. That's what Nehemiah did. Nehemiah 2.17 But now I said to them, You know very well what trouble we're in. Jerusalem lies in ruins. That's his burden. It lies in ruins. And its gates have been destroyed by fire. He says, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. And then I told them about how the gracious hand of God had been on me and about my conversation with the king. And they replied at once, yes, let's rebuild this wall. And so they began that good work. How do you do something big? How do you do something significant? You start with the faith and start small and you don't let that starting point stop you and then you take the next step it's one step after the other one small step they started to have some oppositions the bad guys showed up and they tried to stop them as they take that first step but when Sambalot, Tobiah and Geshem of the Arab um, heard of our plan they scoffed contemptuously what are you doing? Are you rebuilding against the king? They, rebelling against the king, they asked. I replied, the God of heaven will help us succeed. We, his servants, will start rebuilding this wall, but you have no share, legal right, historic claim to Jerusalem. You start small, you take the next step, and then you take one more step. And no matter who's coming against you, no matter who's trying to discourage you, no matter who's tearing you down, no matter who is trying to stop you, you take that step. Maybe for you, again, it's losing 20 pounds. That's really big for you. Literally, it might be one step on the treadmill, followed by one more step on the treadmill, followed by taking that brownie that's sitting in front of you for dessert and pushing it aside for something more healthy. One step after another. That's what it is. That's what it takes until you start feeling better and moving forward. I mean, maybe you want to get out of debt, you go, well, I don't know how to get out of debt. Well, maybe you start with a $1,000 emergency fund. You go, I don't have money for a $1,000 emergency fund because I spent $300 on lunch at Kroger yesterday. I got no money left. Well, what do you do? Well, first of all, you have to make a plan. You have to go, okay, well, maybe I don't get that $5 cup of coffee every morning. Maybe I eat at home and I buy enough food to eat at home all week instead of eating out. Uh, at a fast food place. Maybe I have something that's worth a little bit of money and I sell it on Marketplace for $85. And guess what? You put that $85 into your emergency fund and your $85 towards the $1,000 that you want to put in there. It's one step after the other. Maybe for you, there's a goal to be like Jesus. You start small. You pick a version reading plan, and you do that everything, very first in the morning. Everything in the morning is all about that when you get out of bed. And then maybe the next thing is you connect to some other Christ followers and jump into a small group and be committed to worshiping every single week. And then you contribute into the community. You go feed people in Hamilton. You go help Somebody shovel their driveway. They can't shovel their driveway. And the next thing you know, 
you've got a green CCC t-shirt on and you're helping on Sunday mornings around this place. St. Francis of Assisi says this, start doing what's necessary, then what's possible, and suddenly you're doing the impossible. Start doing what's necessary, and then what's possible, and then suddenly you're doing the impossible. It's one step after the other. Don't miss this. Don't stop asking God for the things that, that you're lacking, like which house do I buy, which car do I drive, what school do I go to. Those things are important. And you need answers to those. You need to find the, the, those answers. But it's much more important about who you're becoming than where you decide to live or work. It's who you are in the process. What's happening on the inside of you for your life. And then you seek wise friends and good wisdom and you take little steps of faith and you find your passion for Jesus and it's all one step at a time. It's not going to happen all at once, but it will happen as you take one step after the other. Look for that divine burden to move one step closer to impacting this world for Jesus because that's how you become holy. That's how you live how Jesus wants you to live. That's how you love God more. Will you pray with me? Father God, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you for the people that are here to learn and worship who you are and what you want them to do in their lives. Thank you for loving us. And I pray for everyone in this room and everyone watching online that you will provide a divine burden for them so they can impact this culture in big time ways. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.